0: I realized that it wasn't normal for me to worry like I do just because my family does it and it's just like a part of our lives and we're always stressed out it it wasn't the way that it had to be and you can see it in me pretty easy that I haven't just because I realized it wasn't for everybody uh, I haven't come to a point where ...where I've conquered it, and the easiest way to see it is my fingernails. I'll never show them to you if you ask to look at them, but I bite my fingernails all the time. And I only do it because I'm stressed out, or because I'm worried, because I'm feeling anxious about something... And I pretty much do it all of the time. Unless my mind is totally shut down, I'm looking, I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking about something besides life. That's about the only time that I'm not biting my fingernails. And it's a sign that I worry all the time. I had a panic attack actually right after I started at the church uh, dealing with some things in my life. And Uh, I just felt I had a lot of coffee that day, and I didn't have any food, and I I just felt like I couldn't breathe because of it, and the more I worried about not being able to breathe, the more I couldn't breathe, and the more I couldn't breathe, and the more I couldn't breathe, and I ended up on the floor of, uh, I don't even know what, a fast food restaurant, screaming at my friend who I was with coming back from a preseason football game uh, in Seattle and saying, call 911. We just talked about it the other day and laughed about it, actually. And I spent uh, probably about two years after that panic attack uh, wrestling. Every time I would get in a car, and I just had time to think, wrestling with the worry of another panic attack and almost inducing a panic attack within myself. It lasted for about two years, I struggled with it, I would call my cousin just about every time I would get in the car just to, to be able to talk and and to think about something besides not being able to breathe, or I should rephrase, feeling like I couldn't breathe. And the truth is, I know that while you may not be like me, a, a chronic worrier, I think that almost everyone worries, and... I'll just uh, be honest, who here worries? Raise your hand with me. So it is everyone, and if you're not a worrier, then you wouldn't put your hand up because you're probably not paying attention, you're like, oh man, I don't really care, I got this figured out, I'm sleeping back here, I'm just feeling really relaxed today. But just about everybody worries, and uh, while some people don't bite their nails, and some people don't have panic attacks, or heart attacks, or get gray hair, kind of the, the normal symptoms that we think of. I think Time uh, Magazine summed it up pretty well in and, and the ways that we can kind of see the effects of worry in our lives, even in the hidden ways. And this is what they said way back in 1961. Not merely the black statistics of murder, suicide, alcoholism, and divorce betray anxiety. But almost any innocent everyday act, the limp or overhardy handshake, the second pack of cigarettes or the third martini, the forgotten appointment, the stammer in mid-sentence, the wasted hour before the TV set, the spanked child, the new car unpaid for. And it is true that worry has a million different symptoms. And like Time Magazine said, some are, are, are way less obvious than others. But let me just give you kind of the more obvious side effects of worry. Difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling and twitching, acne, insomnia, weakened sex drive, and higher blood sugar. Doctors tell us that all of these things stem from worry and anxiety, which I will use synonymously in this sermon series. They say that a majority of hospital visits in a year can be directly connected in one way or another to anxiety and worry. Here are the long-term side effects that doctors list for us. A suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, short-term memory loss, coronary artery disease, heart attack, and premature aging. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic, he was the founder, said, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. And I've never met a man or knew a man to die of overwork, but I've sure known a lot who died of worry. My doctor, right after I was diagnosed with MS, uh, said to me, I just want you to know that with all my MS patients, the number one that I thing that I can see that causes their symptoms to be worse or better is the amount of stress in their lives. It's like, wow, that's pretty eye-opening. I mean, I got this disease, they tell me anyway, where my, my uh, immune system is literally like attacking my body, but he's telling me that being stressed out is the very thing that's going to cause the symptoms to be worse. Here's the thing about it. It's so normal that stress and anxiety and worry, all of you raised your hands, every single person I believe raised your hands, that Wikipedia actually refers to it as a normal response. And I think that worry and anxiety can be a normal response, and we'll talk more about that later. But if you put in quotes, reduce anxiety on Google, you get 1.34 million results. Reduce worry, in quotes, 24,200 results, and reduce stress, 1.75 million results. Results. It seems like people on the internet, anyway, are, are struggling and striving and hoping and wanting to reduce the stress level, the worry level, the amount of anxiety that they experience on a daily basis. And here is the just really cool part. While it's so normal, we do know that there are ways that we can reduce it in our lives. And people write a ton of stuff on the internet and a ton of self-help books trying to explain how you can feel more peace, how you can reduce the stress levels in your life. But about 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus walked the earth. And he spent 10 verses talking about how you cannot worry. He gives tips, really, for not worrying. And if you read self-help books and you read the internet and you find these things that tell you how to reduce worry and stress and anxiety, the majority of the stuff that you read is going to be plagiarized from Jesus. Now, they're going to say it in different ways, and they're for sure going to say it longer because nobody buys 10-sentence books, right? But they're going to basically say what Jesus said so brilliantly 2,000 years ago. And I think in the next four weeks, as we look at these words of Jesus, my hope is that we can reduce the worry in our lives. And you might say, wow, that's, like, that's just so practical. It doesn't feel like even a spiritual issue. It doesn't seem like a very churchy topic. It, I, I'm, like, we've been for four weeks talking about being engulfed by grace. I mean, that sounds like something you talk about, church, but not reducing anxiety. I mean, that's for self-help books. And what we'll see, I think, what we'll see in the next four weeks is that this is a real spiritual issue. And we're going to see that, that the topic of worry is important because it really does have like wide-ranging spiritual connections. Things that maybe you've never thought about before, things that maybe you've never considered as you're thinking about, man, I'm worried because I have a job interview or whatever. There are very real spiritual implications and those will come out in the next four weeks. But this is not a sermon series that I want to to have cause you to stress out. If we're done in four weeks and you're like, man, I'm super stressed out about how much I worry, then I did not do things correctly. If you're already like stressed out about your stressed out, which you might be like, I'm worried because I was worrying about preaching a sermon series on worry. And, and that's not good, right? And you might be sitting there like, I'm... I'm, oh, this is stressful because there's no way I'm ever going to stop worrying. And man, he can talk about being engulfed by grace. That sounds nice. And he can say, don't commit adultery, and I have a chance there. But oh, this worry thing, I'm never going to beat it. And now you're feeling stressed out. That's not the point or the goal. I think when we look at Jesus' words, what we find are these tips to do something that already you don't want to do. Let me ask another question. Who here wishes that they never worried? Yeah, and we're going to see that that Jesus doesn't want us to worry. And it is more than maybe any command in the whole Bible. You're just like, yeah, I like that idea. And so the goal here is to give you tools, tips, as we've called them in our in our series title, to break the bondage of worry in your life. Before we look at Jesus' words on worry, the very beginning of this passage of scripture which is Matthew 6 25 is all we'll look at today but we'll go through verses 34 in this series the beginning says therefore I tell you whenever you read therefore in the Bible you need to ask what it is therefore and here therefore is absolutely essential to understanding what Jesus is going to say in these 10 verses If we don't understand what Jesus has just said, then we're not going to understand what he means and what he's saying when he offers us these tips about how to break the bonds of worry. In the previous section, which is all part of the Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded sermon of Jesus ever and in the Bible, in this part that precedes what we're looking at in our series here, Jesus has been talking about not having a desire for wealth. And the driving force of the verses that precede verse 25 is that we need to have our priorities right. He has just told the disciples, in effect, that they needed to have a single-mindedness towards God and towards spreading the kingdom of God. If they were going to live in obedience to and for the glory of God, then they needed to see things clearly and understand that their purpose in life was to worship the God of heaven by moving his kingdom forward. If they had this viewpoint, this eye, as he says, uh, then they were going to have the right priorities in life. Jesus has also just declared that we need to have unification of life in, in and towards worship. And he has declared quite clearly that we cannot serve both God and money, a very famous passage of scripture And he says that whomever we serve, whether God or something else on this earth, whomever we choose to serve will demand eventually all of us. Jesus will demand all of us or something else will demand all of us. And while we might start out trying to serve both of them, eventually one will live We'll win out over the other. My mom, many, many years ago, I thought, put this just so well, and this has been relayed to me through my grandmother. She said, no person can ride a dark horse of evil and a white horse of godliness. Eventually, you're going to have to choose a horse. It's an impossible thing to ride both. And that is what God has said. Money is not inherently evil like the dark horse in my mom's analogy. But we must choose whether we are going to worship God, serve God, or we are going to do worship and, and live for something else. And so Jesus' point leading up to this passage about worry is plain and simply, when it comes to your life, you need to have a single-mindedness, a full devotion, To God. And it is really interesting that he uses the illustration of money and then jumps right into worry because money is one of the things that we worry most frequently about. But as we go into this, keep this in mind if we have a chance to live this out, if we're really going to put these tips into action, then we need it's going to come from a place of deciding, I am choosing to worship Jesus. And not something else. I am going to choose to live for Jesus. And not something else. Now if you're not a Christian. Then there's going to be a lot that comes through these words. That's still very valuable to you. That still gives you great tips. Great helps for breaking the bond of worry. But you're never going to be fully able to live it out. Unless you give your life To Jesus. And here is what Jesus says right at the beginning. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. The do not worry is emphatic in Greek. It's basically like an exclamation point. Jesus says, do not worry. I want to point out something to you. This is a command. Just think about that for a second. It's an emphatic command, in fact. Do not worry. There's other parts of the Sermon on the Mount that we would never so blatantly disregard. Like when Jesus talks about not committing adultery, for example, we would never go, that's a great idea, but... Especially when you're talking to your spouse. I mean, like, hey, you know, yeah, Jesus kind of meant that, but it's probably impossible not to do. But that's kind of what we do when it comes to worry, right? Right? Like, sure, it's a command, but it couldn't have been a serious command. It's not one of the big sins. And here's the excuse that a lot of people use. Well, I'm just kind of predispositioned that way. It's just kind of how I I think, and it's just kind of how I've been made, and it kind of comes down from my parents and the way that I grew up. And what I say to that is exactly what we say to homosexual people. When they claim the same things. Sure you might have been made that way. Sure you might have it naturally inside of you. However. Pause. Time out. Jesus still commands that we don't do it. You see it's really easy to take the sins we don't struggle with. And go well yeah I'm just kind of wired that way. And to look at people who are wired differently. And say yeah sure you're wired differently. But it's still a command. And all the while ignore the commands That Jesus has given to us. in the things that we struggle with. And so when we look at this. And this is really key. And this part might stress you out too. But it's not meant to. If we're going to ever break worry. Then we need to look at what Jesus says here. As a real command. That applies to every Christian. It's not something he's saying. Yeah maybe. It's not something where he's like. In the kingdom you won't. It's not something where he's like. It's a good idea not to. He's saying. Do not worry. Don't do it. It's a sobering thought for somebody like me because I sin every single day by worrying. And sometimes it's very humbling too because I've come a long ways in my Christianity and there are times when I think, man, I've done pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I've come a long ways. There are not many sins that I can point to. But then I read Matthew six twenty five. It's like, do not worry. And so the first thing that you need to understand, the first thing you need to put in your head, and this is not one of Jesus' tips, it's just his command, is that we need to treat worry more seriously than we already do. And I think there's reasons for it. I think we'll see those reasons come out. We'll see that Jesus didn't just like want to pick on us who kind of predisposition to worry. I think there are spiritual implications. There are uh, signs uh, that it points to in our spiritual lives. There are hundreds of reasons, I'm sure, that Jesus has for this command. But it is a command. Now here's the thing that Jesus says. Do not worry about your life your body, what you will wear, and what you will eat. And I think there's a tendency to look back on this passage. I'm trying to get rid of all your excuses right up front. I think there's a tendency to look back on this passage and go, yeah, well, obviously those farmers living in rural Palestine didn't have much to worry about. I mean, they didn't have cell phones where people could get a hold of them every day, and they didn't have to deal with Facebook posts, and they don't understand the drama of the world that we live in. They had nothing to worry about. But they did. They had more to worry about than you, perhaps. These people that Jesus says this to are living hand to mouth, they are farming every single day to make just enough money to pay for the food for that day, and they'll do that every single day. They are probably tenant farmers, and so they were farming land that wasn't even their own, paying huge amounts of taxes, something that I worry quite a bit about every year, huge amounts of taxes to the people that they are renting the land from, and so they're barely making enough food every single day to feed their families. Making it worse is that there are floods and famines and fires in their area, More commonly than maybe here, or at least our modern technology has caused us to be able to prevent. And so Jesus is talking to people who are actually, every single day, worrying about being able to eat and put clothes on their body. He's not saying, when he talks about clothes in our passage of scripture that we'll look at the next few weeks, he's not saying, like, don't worry about how cool you look. Uh, Right, because that's what I worry about. I mean, do I look good today? He's saying, like, don't worry about whether or not you'll be able to put clothes on your body. And he's not saying, don't worry about the restaurant you're going to go to. He's saying, don't worry about whether or not you'll be able to eat tomorrow. And so when we look back on these people, it's almost laughable because the things I worry about—does that person like me? Am I going to preach a good sermon this week? Do we have enough money? When I'm living in a very fine house with two cars, something they would have loved, I'm sure. And not worry—I never have ever worried about food. Nobody worries really about food in America. I've had homeless people tell me. We don't need your food. We have food. We can get food anywhere. We live in Oregon, so even more, we don't have to worry about food. I mean, there are so many places willing to give handouts to people in need that we don't have these worries at all. And so I would say, if the excuse will be in your head over the next four weeks, let's just break it down now. Let's get rid of it. Let's remove it. Those people didn't have anything to worry about. I think that they had just as much to worry about as you, if not more. Now, here's the other thing. He uses two things for sustenance, things that we need, food and clothing, but he's really talking about anything that causes anxiety and worry in our lives that takes away our focus from God. Now here's the other big question, I think. What is worry? And it's a word that I think, as I've looked at this through the years and asked that question, what is worry, the more you try to define it, I think the less valuable it can become for people. It's one of those things that we just understand. And when we look at the dictionary, we're like, I I didn't need to read that. That was kind of stupid. I mean, like, I understand what worry is. And I think if I tried to define it too specifically, and I looked at the Greek word too far, then what it would do is, is it would cause you to think, well, is this worry or is this something else? We all probably experience worry a little bit differently. I experience worry with like the feeling of a five pound weight in my stomach. You may experience it by getting tired or feeling dizzy or having, having trouble breathing or not being able to sleep at night. I never ever, I can be the most worried person in the world. I put my head down at night and I'm pretty much gone. Like that's it. It does not matter to me. And so we experience worry differently. And I hope that this series will kind of encompass all of those feelings and those thoughts that you have. But just to put a little bit of substance to the word, as I'm going to use it a lot through the next few weeks, I want to offer you just a couple of, of options. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a definition this morning, but if you get on Version, the Bible app that you can download on just about every smartphone, we include there a link to our, my sermon notes, and I'm talking like Probably on this sermon series, we're talking like 40 pages uh, of notes and about a million different ideas on what worry is. And so I would encourage you to download that, click it, read through the notes. A lot of things are not spelled right. I'm just typing and trying to get it out there. But there's a ton of stuff about worry there. And here's the definition that I just want to give you this morning. If you look at the etymology of the English word, it means to choke or to fall to pieces. And we can't literally do that, right? And so we understand that that word comes from the feelings that are within us, like the hardness to breathe. They're kind of like, I'm falling to pieces, you know that phrase. It's kind of like this feeling that's inside of us. The Greek word merimenao, which is the word Jesus uses throughout here in our passage, uh, was used for the cares of life which disturb sleep, from which refuge is sought in love or drink, in which only can end in death. That's not a definition really, but that helps us kind of understand the things that Jesus is talking about. here. It's those cares, those deep cares of life, most often about the future. We're not talking about like you're getting in an elevator and you think you're going to die, you're scared. We're talking about like futuristic thinking and and these cares that well up inside of you and cause you not to be able to sleep and make people want to drink and make people feel sick. That's what we're talking about about worry expresses an intense concern and care for something and the noun for worry is used for sleeplessness and so here when we talk about worry we're talking about that thing that you experience the thing that you experience before you go to a job interview before you have a difficult conversation before you get up in front of people to give a speech if you remember those days we're talking about that experience, the thing that keeps you up the night before and makes your palms sweaty and really just doesn't feel very good. We get it. And in this series, what we're talking about is what Jesus says in order to help us not give in to that, that thing that you know and you experience and you probably don't like very much. And here's Jesus' very first tip. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? On first glance, it's not very deep. On second and third and fourth glance, I think it's about as good of a tip to not worry, to help us not worry, as Jesus could have offered us. Steve Jobs, uh, giving an address to uh, Stanford, a commencement address to Stanford University before he died, said this, Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. And I think Steve Jobs hit on just slightly what Jesus was talking about when he asked the question, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? And here's the cool thing before we even get to exactly what Jesus means that I want to point out. While Steve Jobs kind of got it a little saying someday you're going to die, so don't worry about failure. Don't worry about not chasing your dreams because you will die. As Christians, we believe something even greater. We believe that we can live Forever, that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die for our sins and our wrongdoings so that if we accept him and we say Jesus I love you and I'll follow you we get to go to heaven when we leave this earth. And so if Steve Jobs is saying man you're going to die so don't stress out all the more Christians should understand this don't stress out because you're never going to die. And here is what is at the heart of Jesus' words. At the heart of Jesus' words is that our lives and our bodies were not meant, were not created simply to exist. They were created for a much greater purpose. If we make this life simply about this life, we are, in fact, missing the point. Let me say that again. If we make this life simply about this life, we are missing the point. If you look in biological terms, almost everything that we worry about comes back to us kind of sustaining life. You can look at money. We need money to buy food, to have shelter in order to stay alive. You can look at what people think about you. And and when you think about that, you, you want people to like you. Why? At the deepest level, why does it even matter? At the biological level, why does it matter if people like us? Because having friends helps keep us alive. You worry about your children, and I think even, even at the most, uh, the least, I should say, the least selfish type of worrying is about other people. Even then, I think there's something inside of us where we are worrying for ourselves. When you worry for your children, are you really worrying about your future in some way? When you worry about others, are you really worrying about making sure that, that they're okay so that they can help take care of you and so that they can be there for you too? I think that in some level, Jesus gets right to the point and says, when we are worrying, we are simply worrying about staying alive. We are simply worrying about this life, but Jesus in one question says, is is life not more than just life? I mean, isn't there something that has a greater meaning and a greater purpose than simply just kind of staying alive and being alive and and getting through the day-to-day? And if you were to pause and think about the things you worry about, you don't worry about things that are of great purpose or great value most of the time. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes you can look at the things you worry about and go, yeah, that's that's pretty important. But the majority of the time, the things you worry about are simply about you kind of living, just being okay, just kind of continuing on, just kind of keeping status quo. And Jesus says, is life not more than food and the body more than close. Isn't there something greater? Isn't there something more important? Isn't there something of more value than simply just being alive and having everything kind of be okay? And here's the thing we were created for a relationship with God. Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. This is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, Paul in Ephesians says, hey, we're not alive to stay alive We're not alive to make people happy. We're not alive to have a meal every day. We're not alive to put clothes on or put nice clothes on. We're not alive to get a better job. We're not alive to have people like us. We're not alive simply to stay alive and kind of keep the status quo. We're alive. We exist in order to do good works that glorify the God in heaven. One author said, worry is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. When believers make heavenly treasure light for our eyes, God is our master, then and only then can we stop worrying, which is what Jesus commands us to do. When we look at God and we say, man, I know that this life is here, that I exist for the purpose, the express, the the tangible purpose of bringing God worship, then worry can cease. Then we can live out the command. The Apostle Paul, a guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament. He, he just seems like not a worrier. He's very much closer to my wife than he is to me. Just kind of going around, doing the right thing. And he, he probably worried. But in the Bible, it just doesn't appear that he ever worries, that he ever experiences anxiety. And the guy, if you think, well, he you know, he lived a charmed life. He's right in the Bible. How bad can it be? I mean, he was beaten up. He was stoned multiple times. He went without food. He was uncomfortable. He probably stayed many nights without any shelter. He had people yelling at him and screaming him everything that you worry about happened to Paul you worry about it and it usually doesn't happen to you he seemingly didn't worry about it and it did happen to him I mean if you woke up this morning like worried like I really hope people don't throw rocks at me and try to kill me I mean he experienced that and yet he didn't seem to worry about it and listen to what he says in Philippians 1 20 through 24 I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He gets very much to the heart of what Jesus says. He says, I would love to die because this body is about far more than just living and having people like you and keeping the status quo. I would love to die, but I know that I am alive and will continue to be alive because I need to serve. He's talking to a church. I need to serve the church in Philippi and help them grow and become more like Jesus wants them to be. Paul is not a worrier because Paul understands his true purpose. And when people are yelling at him, he's like, well, my purpose is not to please you. And when people are throwing stones at him, he's like, my purpose is not to stay alive. And when he's uncomfortable because he doesn't have enough money or because he doesn't have enough food or because he doesn't have shelter, he's like, well, my purpose is not to have shelter and be comfortable and have enough to eat. My purpose is to bring worship to God. Life is about more than the body. It is about glorifying God. God. Here's what I want you to hear. You need to make a decision not to worry. That's the first and foremost point of this sermon, is that you need to decide not to worry. And until you treat it like Jesus treated as something that is not to be done, then you'll never give it up. And some of the sins that, you know, church people aren't going to look at us, and nobody's ever going to, like, look at us with the kind of bad look and be like, oh, man, worrier. You know, I mean, you might come in here with a, not in our church, but you might go to some churches and have a piercing, and people be like, oh, he's one of those people. But nobody's ever going to be like, oh, you're worried. They might even compliment you, like, oh, man, look how much they care. I mean, look how important this is to them. Look how much they love their families. And they just, the sins that other church people kind of like, They're really hard to give up. But right now, in this moment, I'm asking, I'm calling you to just become a person that says, okay, okay, it is a sin. Worry is something that Jesus has commanded me not to do. And I'm not going to stress out about that, but I am going to do my best to give it up, to move past it, to stop. The truth is, I look at people in this room right now, and I think that in some ways... You're worried about giving worry up. You cling to it like a child clings to his blankie. Just saying, if I give this up, then something bad will happen. If I give this up, then I won't know who I am anymore. If I give this up, then I, I'm, I'm lost because I've done it for so long. And I've done it with such passion that I, I just, I don't, if you were looking deep inside of yourself, you'd be like, if I give this up, then something really bad is going to happen. And so you cling to worry and say, if I worry enough, then I won't die of cancer. If I worry enough, then my kids will be okay. If I worry enough, then people will like me. If I worry enough, and this morning, you need to say, Jesus has commanded me not to do this anymore. You need to make a decision with me, together, You know I'm not talking down to you. I've already talked to you. Just look at my fingernails. But together we need to make a decision to say, I'm going to give it up. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. These tips are not going to make it magically go away, but I'm going to do my best to treat it as what it is, a sin that is not to be committed. And here's the other thing you need to decide, and this is so key. You need to decide that life is about more than life. Life is about more than not having cancer. It's about more than what people think. It's about more than looking good to others. It's about more than having money to pay your bills. There's a greater purpose in life. And you need to make a decision to recognize that purpose today. When you worry, you're forgetting your greater purpose. Now I hope that every person in this room knows that their purpose is to bring glory to God in heaven. But I have found that this principle works even for those who are not Christians to some degree. They have found a purpose, they have found a driving force in their life to help people, to, to fix things, to do something. And they go with that purpose and it helps remove worry from their lives. But like I said at the beginning, while you might be able to do some of this as, as a person who doesn't love God, who doesn't believe in God, you will not be able to take this to its fullest extent until you recognize your real purpose. There are fake purposes that are good. There are half purposes that are helpful. But until you recognize that your purpose is to give your life to Jesus so that you can be in relationship with him and then to glorify God, you will never reach your full potential. You will never be able to give up worry fully. And so here is what you need to do. This is your homework, if you will. Your homework is that when you start to worry this week, I want you to stop what you are doing. Unless you're like running a chainsaw. But I want you to stop what you're doing, and I want you to remind yourself of your greater purpose. Every time that you start to think about the lump that you found or what transpired in a conversation or the latest bill that showed up in the mail, I just want you to stop. And I want you to heed the words of Jesus. And I want you to go, wow, there's a greater purpose than paying this bill. There's a greater purpose than staying alive. There's a greater purpose than making people happy. And I hope that that purpose for you is to glorify God. And then I want you to do this. This is the harder part. That sounded nice, right? But this is what I want you to do. I want you to do something to fulfill that purpose. I want you to do something to fulfill that purpose. For us that are Christians, I want you to stop. I want you to remember your purpose to glorify God. And then maybe you go pray for someone. Not for yourself, not for your own worries, but for somebody else. Go pray for them and say, hey, God, this person needs your help this week. Maybe they're worrying. Help them out of that worry. Maybe the prayer will just be to God and say, God, I love you. And you'll just have a time of worship. Maybe you'll put on a CD and say, I'm just going to worship God right here with this CD, right here with this MP3. I'm just going to praise God and tell him how much I love him. Maybe you'll go buy a meal for somebody that needs a meal. Say, wow, I, God, I'm just gonna, I know that this person needs help today and, and my purpose is to glorify you and I know that going out and providing this meal for them will glorify you. Maybe you'll write somebody a letter. One of our goals in this church is, is to send uh, a thousand connection cards this year and, and you can grab some on the way out and maybe this week when you start to feel that feeling of worry, you'll just stop, you'll remember your purpose and you'll write somebody a letter on one of those saying, hey, I'm thinking about you, I love you. I'm so glad you're in our church, or I hope that you'll come to our church someday. Just want you to know that. Nobody, and this is what we're going to see, and this is what makes Jesus, he's a genius. Jesus is a genius. And, and I said as I was kind of telling you about this series that, that it, more than any other words Jesus speaks in the whole Bible, this is the passage where I, I'm just like, this guy's smart. I mean, I, people that just dismiss Jesus, just like, oh yeah, he seemed like he was a cool guy, but never pick up a Bible to read his words are missing out on, on just incredible information. Because Jesus in this passage, he doesn't ever, because he knows, he has to know, like, hey, don't worry, just stop it. Like, what is, that's not going to help anybody, right? Nobody ever, I mean, try this, ready, practice, don't think about a mountain, You thought about one, right? I mean, it's like, the and Jesus knows, like, if I tell these people to stop worrying, they're just going to stress out about it. But instead, he changes our focus, and he does it like eight or nine times in this passage. Like, this is where your focus needs to be, and this is where your focus needs to be, and think about how I do this for you, and think about how our Father provides this for the birds, and the flowers, and how they're clothed. And we're going to see all this, and I hope, And I encourage you to go read it this week. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. But the first thing Jesus does is he shows us that worry comes and worry is stronger when we have forgotten our purpose. When we are living to stay alive, then we worry more. When we are living to make people like us, we worry more. When we are living to stay alive, we just worry and worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. I think public speaking is a great example of it. And I think it's something that, that has probably helped me through the years. But everybody, it seems like, is scared to get up in front of people and talk. And the reason you're scared is simply because your purpose is wrong. And I wish I could go back to myself in middle school public speaking class and say, man, Chad, like, honestly, what's your purpose? Are you just getting, and I deal with this every Sunday. I mean, is my purpose to make you people think I did a good job or is my purpose to help you change your lives? And when my purpose is to help you change your lives, I don't care about my uhs or my sound or how how bad my illustrations went over or how engaged you look. I just, I care about you changing your lives. And man, when you think about your speeches and you've given them, I'm sure, I always think of making salsa in front of middle schoolers because I gave that speech and, and it was a how-to speech. And if I could just go back and be like, hey, Chad, your purpose is to help them understand how to make salsa, not to make them like you, it would have been a much better speech. And when we think about our purpose, then it starts to remove worry from our lives. It won't be a magic bullet this week. You're not going to go home and never worry again because I, because Jesus said, hey, remember your real purpose. Won't happen. But you can start to reduce it. I want you to remember this. Purpose brings peace and helps worry cease. Doesn't take it away. It's not going to be gone. You're not going to rid yourself of it, especially if if you've done it forever, if it's been a part of your life. But if if you make a decision this morning, I want worry to go away, and you say, okay, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to remember my purpose, then you can remember this. Purpose brings peace and helps worry cease. Life is not about the body and keeping it alive. Life is not about getting through day to day. Life is about, for those of us who are Christians, bringing worship to God by expanding His kingdom. When you're focused on that, man, and you know that God is really ultimately the one who's going to do it through you, what's there to worry about? If I just woke up every day thinking, well, my job is to glorify God today, so I'm going to try to do what He wants me to do, and if everybody hates me and I don't have enough money to pay the bills and things are bad, then... Whatever. I pleased God. That's my purpose. Let me say it one more time. You might want to write it down. You might want to write it on your forehead if you're like me. Purpose brings peace and helps worry cease. Will you pray with me? Lord, you're brilliant and you care about us. And I think in part you want us to remove worry because it doesn't glorify you. But I think... God with all sins that you have called them sins because they're not good for us I can see that in so many things Lord but I can definitely see it in worry I mean worry is terrible for us and here you are saying don't do it and then giving us tips and it just shows me it reminds me Jesus how much you care about us and I thank you for that Lord I know now that every person in this room worries. Just about every person would like to remove worry from their life. And so, God, I pray that this morning you would help them to make a decision to do that. To not take it lightly anymore. To not act like it's not a sin. To not pretend that you never said it, God. But to take it seriously and say, yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. I repent. I repent of that sin. And God, I pray that they would make a decision to remember... And to strive to fulfill their true purpose in life. And God, I, I ask that this week, that whenever worry starts to creep in, the real deep worry, stuff that we don't like, the stuff that keeps us up at night, the stuff that makes it hard to sleep, to eat, to, to rest, to enjoy. The stuff that makes it harder to be nice to our spouses, God. I pray that when that creeps in, we would just stop. And we would remember our true purpose. God, I hope that every person in this room understands that the true purpose is to bring you worship. And God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their savior, that doesn't love you as their Savior. I pray that you would bring them to you this morning, God. And God, that they would pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to have a greater purpose than simply staying alive and making people like me, making enough money to pay the bills, making sure the car is going, trying to move into a nicer house, living out the American dream, because that purpose is never satisfying, God. It's never satisfied one single person. bring them to you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for giving us a greater purpose. We thank you for coming to this earth to die for us. In your name, amen.